Welcome back, y'all, to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So I've been doing this for about seven months now, and I've covered every single topic you can possibly imagine from UFOs, sports, presidential, politic, any conspiracy, flat earth, everything. And nothing is as crazy as what I am about to talk to you about, okay? And it is real, it is true, and sometimes things are just stranger than fiction. So let's get into it. As I was doing some research today, like what's so interesting about doing a daily podcast is it takes you down so many different rabbit holes and you're always trying to determine which article, which bit of research, what are you going to find that someone's going to have interest in? Something that's going to be informal, but as well as entertaining like you've heard before. And for me, sometimes I have no idea. Um, And it all kind of started because today I was doing some research because there was a sphinx like statue discovered within southeast southeastern Egypt today that is um relevant to Claudius the Roman Empire and they think it's affiliated with that because he had um ties and ran Egypt I think around the early centuries I think it was you know AD 41 and AD 54 is that time period so within early time periods there was the Romans there and it just kind of sparked interest And then I was listening to another podcast today, and they were talking about the consumption of mummies. Yes, you heard me right. Eating mummies. What could this have been? I have never heard anything like this before. I don't know if you guys have. If you haven't, this podcast episode will probably blow you away, stick with you forever, and undoubtedly... And Donnelly make you look at mummies differently. So the reason why we get into it. So apparently there's just things that happen in history sometimes. And like you think about the consumption of of products or foods or things that last forever. For example, um, there was actually honey found within the Egyptian temple sphinx around 2015. It was 3,000 years old mixed with a little bit of water and sugar. Um, You could still eat it. You can consume it. It would last forever. Honey in itself lasts forever. Now, why am I talking about foods that last forever? Just to give you an idea about them, right? Then you have dried pole, which is another form of honey. Uh, Sometimes it takes me a while to read. You have soy sauce, which lasts forever, which it can last up to three years. Um, Not as long as honey, though, but you have soy sauce that can last for three years. Vinegar has a shelf life of, you know, really long. And what's so crazy about vinegar is in itself, vinegar and wine are the same thing. However, whenever something is fermenting, um, it doesn't get any oxygen and that's what creates wine. And whenever it gets oxygen during the fermentation process, that's what creates vinegar. You have white rice, dark chocolate, etc. Now, what if I told you mummies could be on this list of something you can consume forever what if i told you people believed that mummies in themselves had some type of healing medicinal properties 
How would that make you feel? Well, it made me feel really, really freaked out. And here's why. Around the 12th and 16th century, consuming mummies was as normal as going to the store and buying some kind of medicine or Tylenol. So during about a 500-year period, the Europeans had this obsession with, with, with mummies, mostly the, the English as well. And what you come to find out is whenever you had any type of headache, any type of head issues, from issues like that, taking ground-up skull from mummies was considered as medicinal medicine. For whatever reason, they believed that taking these little things would help them. So much so that it became very, very common for you to buy mummies, mummy ashes, and you ground it up and you take it and you drink it just like anything else. A teaspoon of mummy keeps the doctor away. Am I right? Am I right? I'll take it. But anyways, it's like, so you get this crazy story and, um, and there was different situations happening. I mean, I guess you could call it cannibalism, but in itself, it's like, you know, doctors were prescribing mummies as a way to cure things. And you looked at all different situations. They, they do think that some doctors also were potentially prescribing flesh and blood as a way to cure certain ailments. But during the 19th century, I mean, this changed. So we're going to kind of get into some different aspects of it. Why were people eating mummies is the ultimate question I have. There's nothing in my entire world that'd be like, you know what, guys? I think I want to try a little mummy. So here it is. So originally what happened is during this time, for whatever reason, people were really obsessed with um, vitrium. Vitrium is kind of what we use to put within asphalt. Um, and vitrium was really, really plentiful within the Middle East. And people believed that it had some, um, some, some healing properties. So people would take vitrium as a normal thing. They'd also use it to potentially... Um, help with, you know, kind of the procurement of keeping things longer. They might put it on trees, but really what they're using it for is tooth cavities, skin disease, and natural vitrium was an abundant in ancient Middle East. So how do people get from taking vitrium being like, I want some money, mummy? Well, apparently during some point, what they believe is that vitrium in itself kind of became um, enthralled, we know now called as mummies. There was almost like this this word. So this is what it's saying. It's saying, with different cultures had their own name for vitrium. It was Ursa in Suraria and Sion in Iraq. In the 10th century of Persia, physical razors made the early knowledge of this word mumma for the substance of mum, which means wax referring to its skinliness. By the 11th century, Persians' physicians achieved use the word mummy to refer special to the medicine of, of bid, bidum. And now called the abundant ancient dead mummy because when the Europeans first saw the black stuff coated, the ancients remained it that they think it was a value to vitrium and the word mummy comes from that aspect. So they're saying that as a, res as a, re as a result of it, there was a supplement or supply of vitrium because it increased in scarcity. People were taking it and calling it the wonder drug, representing and balancing, helping with new sources. So what happened? The meaning of mummy shift in the 12th century. So they're saying there was a legit word shift like telephone where people are like, Bitrium's great. Everybody loves Bitrium until one day 
vitrium in the 12th century became meaning the word mummy. So the translation of this um, Arabian word kind of went through and it found a land where the bodies were buried and absorbed, which to me just sounds like such a BS reason to say that. So you pitched it in that point, there's where it kind of happened. And people started taking two drops of mummy and they call, call me in the morning. That's kind of was the situation we had where mummies were referred to that in Bitrium Extreme. So that's kind of the context of it. So what situations were we having where people were taking it? Well, like I said, um, if you had a headache, you would be prescribed um, some mummy. And it's not always in the mummy we sense. There was essentially, I couldn't find any research to tell me how many money mummies were sent to the UK, but if they were doing it for 500 years, that's pretty substantial. So what we get is that a lot of mummies were found within Europe, raided. I mean, a lot of mummies were actually found within within Egypt, and they'd be found in Egypt, and they'd be shipped to the UK and be sold. And they would have different situations that would happen, and they, they'd find money, mummies on the street, buy them and send them back, ground them up, put them into powder. Now, if you have ancestors in Europe, you potentially, during the 12th and 16th century, your ancestors might have taken mummy. And that really trips me out, all right? So it became a very, very common thing to take it. And the words for changing, and it doesn't surprise me, it's almost like a game of telephone. Whenever you don't have anything really stooped in science or well-known knowledge, it's like word of mouth can happen, and now everyone's freaking eating mummies. So when we look at this, in um, we see these kind of transition points. Now, where... We think mummies, or what, what the articles were saying, is that you would have different situations that happen, and originally it was considered to be a medicine. So within this time period, it kind of transitions into a new school of thought. So whenever we get kind of later, so it's from the 12th century to the 16th century, later on to the 16th century and beyond, what happened is they started to have these unveiling mummy parties. So you can think about the Victorian era right? So you and your friends are going to go to a friend's house for a party and they're going to do an unveiling of a mummy and people are going to eat it. I mean, could you be like, hello chap, pass me more mummy. It's quite delicious with some tea. That's pretty good. So anyways, they claim that this was a fresh evidence in that King Charles himself took medicine made from human skulls suffering from a seizure until 1909. So until 1909, they were still taking human skulls to help them with seizures. What? So by the 19th century, people were no longer consuming mummies in the Victorian era. But if you can really understand it, it's like they would have an unwrapping party and it ended during the 20th century. Now, why did it end? And what was going on in these unwrapping parties? Well, you can potentially manage it, imagine it. It's like, People were spending money, the the upper elite. So you had this transition point. So in the early periods of it, people, the Europeans were obsessed with mummy medicine. And what happened is they transitioned that to around the 16th century where the Victorian heirs would be like, you know, let's have a mummy party. Come on over, chap, and we'll eat it. Well, here's what gets really, really weird is it was super common even until kind of the turn of the century where you have a transition point. So... The transition point really comes from Tutankhamun. So the tomb of Tutankhamun was opened, and the gentleman who opened it um, actually died relatively soon, and that's where the curse of the mummy came upon us. So that's why people transition and stop eating it, because of the curse of Tutankhamun. I mean, why is they, I've never heard this, and this is fact. So in 2016, what we found is that the public 
would unwrap mummies since 1908, part art, part science, and part show. John created this immersive reaction where you could eat it. So what would happen too is it kind of came into this bougie thing like we are going to unwrap a mummy. And Egyptians played out over Laozi, um, over these kind of situations and they went from there. So whenever you look at this story, it's one that just to me, it blows my mind away. Now, I couldn't find any hard data that indicated how much money mummies were being consumed. But would you take mummy if you had a headache? I mean, that's really the question. I don't think anybody would. I couldn't even imagine it. But it gets so crazy. And here's what's so crazy about the story, okay? Well, actually not crazy, just interesting. Because what I just told you was freaking crazy. Is these mummies now are worth up to $3 billion. So if anybody wanted to have some type of unveiling party, they could. And when we look at these, it's like even now there's about 150 mummies being held in England. And I don't think they should be allowed to have any more mummies there. You know, it's like here, here, here were the sayings. Eating mummy for their reserve for medicine vitrium was made extreme, but their behavior still has a hint of rationality. It even gets crazier. So research published in 2012 by a British chemist, Stephen Burke, shows that vitrium didn't appear as embracing and integrated until 1000 BC when it was used for much cheaper. So, vitrium in itself is kind of kind of the source, tied to the Egyptian god, and it goes from there. Sorry, I'm all over the place on this one because I don't even know how to attack it. But, that's eating mummies in a nutshell. So, you have, these are the periods you have. People get confused with the word vitrium. It transitions over to England. Vitrium in itself was, was, you know, there's a word similar to mummy. Mummy then becomes the word for vitrium, and people then think they need to start eating mummies, is what the story is told. From the 12th to 16th century, they are, they are, they are eat mummies. They actually eat other body parts for medicine, grinding down skulls to take it for 500 years. From that point, they're starting to take it, but then they have a transition point where they have a situation where the Victorian rich elite start doing it, and the royals start doing it even, and they have a situation where the royals eat royal Egyptians, and they have people quoted saying royals eating royals, all right? So you have the situation where it becomes kind of this fad amongst people, and then you get to a point where the curse of Tutankhamun comes along, and the people are scared because they think they could die. If that is not the craziest thing I have ever heard in my life, I don't know what is. I mean, I really don't know. And I hope you guys have joined my enjoyed my rant on the UK eating mum, mummies. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were still mummy dust there. I might need to go and find some mummy dust. Thank you guys for listening.